We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. Parshat Bo uh, is uh, um, uh, effectively uh, the climax of the story of the Exodus. Uh, In last week's Torah portion, uh, Moses and Aaron go to uh, Pharaoh and uh, demand that he let the Israelites go, and Pharaoh refuses, and each time Pharaoh refuses, uh, God sends plagues upon Egypt, seven plagues in last week's Torah portion, and the final three plagues in this week's Torah portion, concluding with the most devastating of all of the plagues, Makat Bechorot, the uh, death of the firstborn. It's not only the most devastating of all the plagues, but in some senses, the most troubling of all the plagues. In one way or another, all the plagues are deadly, and all, they're all devastating and troubling, each in their own right. But Makat Bechorot, death of the firstborn, uh, is in some ways the, uh, the, the most challenging of all of them uh, because it seemingly uh, affects people who are innocent of, uh, of, of any crime. All the firstborn of Egypt, the portion says, from uh, Pharaoh's household all the way to the, uh, to the, the firstborn of the uh, servant in the, or the prisoner in the dungeon, uh, even the firstborn of animals. So in what way are we meant to understand this troubling plague? Now one way around this is the uh, archaeologists and historics uh, historians' perspective that this we can get out of this, we can escape the troubling nature of this plague because it probably didn't happen. Uh, and that's one way around it, and they are probably right. This plague probably didn't happen uh, in, in the same manner that the Exodus, at least the way the Torah describes it, probably didn't happen in quite that way. But I actually think that that is uh, not only an easy way out, too easy a way out, uh, but also an unsatisfying way out. Because even if it didn't happen the way the Torah describes it, the Torah is still holding up what happens in this plague as something positive. That this is a positive demonstration of God's power and uh, some kind of positive justice for Egypt. So we're meant to take from this story that there's something good about the 10th plague, about the death of the firstborn. What is it? What is the value? What is the lesson that we are supposed to take out of this troubling narrative? And I think that the answer uh, comes in two places not in our Torah portion. A little bit later on, in a few weeks, we'll read Parashat Mishpatim. Uh, And in Parashat Mishpatim, uh, we read the following commandment. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not ill-treat any widow or orphan. If you do mistreat them, I will heed their outcry as soon as they cry out to me. And my anger will blaze forth, and I will put you to the sword. 
and your own wives shall become widows, and your children orphans. What's happening in that commandment? That commandment instructs the Israelites not to mistreat, not to oppress the most vulnerable within society, and in particular, widows and orphans, who in ancient times were the most at risk, the most marginalized, the most vulnerable, and says, if you do, what's going to happen to you? You and your family is going to learn what it is to have been in their position. Your wives will become widows, your children will become orphans, and then you'll know what it means to be a widow, what it means to be an orphan, and maybe you won't make the same decision again. In other words, it's one way of looking at this is that it's uh, justice from a strict perspective. But I don't think it's justice. I think it's instruction. I think it's instruction about empathy and about compassion. How to put ourselves in the circumstance of people who we might wrong. And how to feel their pain and learn from the pain that we feel that they might have before we act against them in a way that might be wrong. And if you think about the 10th plague in that way, you start to see not only the justice of it, because as we learn in the first chapter of Exodus, Pharaoh instructs that all of the boys born to Israelite mothers should be cast into the Nile and killed. But also, the educational quality of the 10th plague. Why educational? The whole scheme of the plagues is meant to be a pedagogy for Pharaoh. God says repeatedly, Leman teda paro, so that Pharaoh will know that I am God. All of the plagues are pedagogical in nature. The Exodus is pedagogical in nature, both to Pharaoh and to those who read of the Exodus afterwards. And the pedagogy, I think, is something explicit. The pedagogy is not so much about God's dominion, but about what it means, what God's dominion means to us. And in this sense, what it means is that we should Know the heart of those who are in pain. Know the heart of those who are marginal. Know the heart of those who are vulnerable. In other words, what the 10th plague is meaning to teach Pharaoh and to teach us is what it must have felt like to be an Israelite mother. And then to know if we understand, if we sense that what happened to the Israelite mothers could also happen to us, that we could feel the pain that they feel. That when they cry out, as they do in the first chapter and second chapter of Exodus, that when they cry out, but Pharaoh refuses to hear their cries, and not only that, but compounds their labor as an attempt to silence them, that we know what it feels like, what it would feel like, to have cries that way. And so when the 10th plague comes and it says that a great cry was heard in Egypt such that has never been heard in any other time in history, that cry parallels the cries of the Israelites 
earlier in the narrative who cry out to God and cry out to Pharaoh, and yet their cries were silenced. The tenth plague is trying to teach Pharaoh and the Egyptians how it feels to be oppressed and trying to teach us who read this story, which may or may not ever have happened in the way it's described, that we should entertain how it feels to be oppressed, how it feels to be hurt, what the screams mean, what the cries mean, and how they should enter our hearts when making decisions as individuals and as a society. Why does it happen to all of the Egyptians and not just to Pharaoh? In the first chapter, we learn that Pharaoh commands all of the Egyptians to enslave the Israelites. Pharaoh commands all of the Egyptians to throw Israelite boys into the Nile. The crimes of Egypt are not the exclusive dominion of Pharaoh. The hard-heartedness of Egypt is not only Pharaoh's purview, but it extends to all of Egypt. Hard-heartedness is not something that is in the dominion of leaders exclusively, but is in some way, when we have leaders who are hard-hearted, it is a reflection of all of us in some way, and we are called to search our hearts. Cantor Rosenblatt wrote a beautiful Devar Torah this week, which was uh, published on the Hebrew College blog, where she was uh, ordained as a cantor. I encourage you to find it and read it. And she talks about the interplay in the Torah portion of the word chazak, strength. And there are two body parts that the word chazak applies to in our Torah portion. One is the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is hardened, strengthened. And God's hand is hard, is strong. That God redeemed the Israelites with a strong arm and an outstretched hand. And Cantor Rosenblatt beautifully talks about the interplay of those ideas and why it is that what the Torah might be teaching, that the same root word, the same description of heart and hand is used for Pharaoh and for God. And I think that it's trying to teach us two things. Where we are not supposed to be chazak, where we're not supposed to be hard and strong, is in our hearts. And where we are supposed to be chazak, where we are supposed to be strong, is in our hands, and specifically our hands as they are used for liberation and redemption from oppression. This, I think, is the lesson of the 10th plague, ultimately. The lesson is that we should have soft hearts and strong hands, that we should feel the pain of those who are marginalized and vulnerable, know what it means to be hurt in the way that they are and can be hurt, and then do everything we possibly can with our hands, with our arms, with our legs, with our bodies, with every action that we can muster and all ounces of strength that we can muster to redeem them and to liberate them. And in this way, we embody the best qualities of what it means to be godlike. And we jettison all the pharaonic aspects of our own behavior, our own hearts, and God willing, our own societies.